When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On SEN, The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Wade has launched him. Out. Wade's been dropped at deep mid-wicket. Wade's been dropped by Hassan Ali at deep mid-wicket. Might have just dropped the World Cup. 18 off 9. Afridi to Wade. Oh, Wade's ramped him. Wade has ramped Afridi for 6. Afridi comes in again. 6. Wade has absolutely bludgeoned him over mid-wicket for six. Wow. Six off seven needed. Afridi to Wade. Done him again. Wade's done him again. A full toss. He's ramped it for six. six. Australia win. Australia into the World Cup final. Last night, New Zealand got the defibrillator out and came back from the dead. Tonight, Australia climb out of their grave. (laughs) Uh, passionate call live on SEN. Sammy Hargraves, magnificent with Chuck Berry. What a performance it was from the Aussies. Not that I stayed up for it, but was I happy to watch the KO Mini this morning and recap all the magnificent highlights. It's as good a chase as I can remember on the international stage. Matty Wade with his performance, 41 off 17. Stoinis and Warner, the heroes, last night, and Adam Zampa continues to do Adam Zampa things through to the T20 World Cup final. I was asking a couple of weeks ago, were you captivated at all by the by the T20 World Cup? Did you feel a connection to this team? Well, winning certainly helps, doesn't it? And I've sort of the longer the tournament's got on and the further we've gone and against all odds, you feel a little bit more connected to this team and in particular Justin Langer for the job that he has done under all sorts of pressure. Good morning and welcome to the captain's run this morning. So much sport to get through. Looking forward to discussing that T20 semi-final with you. We're going to speak to American sport as we often do. Bryce McGain is going to chat to us on all things cricket as we lead up to the ashes as well and the pressure for spots is on particularly in that top six of the test side. Miles Fitzner will give us his best bets of the weekend. The quiz is back. It's been huge, the quiz. It's gone off the last couple of weeks. Looking forward to doing that. And most importantly, taking your calls. one 736 Happy to talk some cricket with you for those of you that want to get involved early. I guess the only concern out of it is the form of, of Steve Smith and the form of, of your boy, Glenn Maxwell. He's been He's been ordinary, Glenn. I'm not suggesting that they would forever, uh, ever leave him out of the final. You just wouldn't do that. It'd be silly to do it. But he hasn't had a great run after coming in as maybe the hottest T20 player in the world coming into the tournament. 18, 6, 5, 16 not out, 0 not out, and 7 from 10 balls last night. And he keeps getting out to the controversial switch hit shot that perhaps he needs to put away just for now. And Steve Smith hasn't had a great run of it as well 
averaging just 13. Steve Smith, 35-1-28, zero not out, didn't bat, and five from six. That would be the question marks. And do you go with Ashton Agar as well? Lines available right now, one 736 736 Now, we're, we're smack bang in the middle of the off-season of the footy as well, but has, I can't remember an off-season with as many storylines coming through as, as what it has been. And, and just to, to recap a few of those, we spoke to Jeff Kennett last week. So I mean the controversy of, of the board situation, Liam Jones I want to touch on in just a moment and whether it was right or wrong to name Liam Jones as the player that is uh, vaccine hesitant at the moment and potentially costing himself his career. We've got the rival clubs training together in the off season. We got uh, COVID at Hawthorne. We got COVID at uh, Carlton, their AFLW program. Alex Rance looked like he could make a comeback. We got Nat Fife and the questions over his future with his body and the ridiculous story about skin folds being banned at the draft camp. I can't believe anyone would support that decision. So we'll get to and touch on as many of those footy stories as you'd like to. Of course, the show is always dictated by you, so you can take it in any direction you would like. You can call us or you can send us a temper text, 0433981116, temper, a mattress like no other. So let's go to it. Sam's in Mill Park. He wants to speak about the cricket last night. Sammy, welcome. Yeah, good morning. How are we? I'm great. Uh, Did great you stay night. up for it last night? Yeah, watched the whole thing. Even uh, endured the great Pakistan batting. Uh, but it's moments, and moments on I mean when when Zampa's bowling the way he's bowling, he's probably now uh, one of the best uh, spin bowlers in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, there are a spread of them uh, right across the board. But I'm happy to have him in my team now, and I rate him very very highly. And he's it's taken a while, but he's now a proven uh, A grader uh, in his craft. But uh, the batting, they never let it slip. They're more than about eight or nine required per over, which is what. I was watching in the, the chase down, and the beauty, beauty about the win is that uh, I was always been an advocate because I was a, uh, an old cricketer, coach, and whatever. That eventually all batsmen, all, all cri- uh, uh, cricket team members should be able to bat and bowl down to 11. Uh, and if it wasn't for the depth in our batting mm. and Wadey coming in where he's come in uh, with Stoinis, because Stoinis was a uh, playing the cautious end, and therefore we still managed to get the win with five wickets down, uh, win, which in past uh, years and games we would have lost games. So uh, I'm totally an advocate of uh, uh, making more depth to our batsmen or getting our bowlers to learn the art of uh, batting, and same with the the bowlers. Uh, the bowl, uh, that batters know how to also bowl because mm. uh, it comes down to moments. And uh, the moments at the uh, by the end of the day, the, the way that Wadey bought at home uh, will become one of the most captivating and memorable occasions. Because I mean, uh, really, uh, Pakistan uh, was the standout performer up until this uh, case. Yeah, they're undefeated, and, Sammy. Good on you. Thanks for. Kicking us off, I 100% agree with you with the depth. I mean, we hadn't really needed it to this point in the tournament, but it still had Cummins and Stark to come in. And just to hear Matthew Wade speak, we might have a listen back with Gary and Tim this morning about the tactics of it. And, you know, panic stations at about to a ball when you need that. So to get the feel for what it was like in the middle and and how um, Marcus Stornis was such a calming influence Last night was a fascinating insight as well. We'll hear a little bit from Matthew Wade later on. But right now, a lot of you want to have your say, which is great. Ali's on the line. You want to speak about the cricket as well, Ali? Yeah. How are you, buddy? Good. That's good. Yeah, look, I, I stayed up to watch the game. Um, and 
it was the bowling attack. Obviously, we've got a really strong bowling attack, but it was quite surprising to see how we utilised Stark, just giving him the first over. You know, we've seen there was uh, a lot of spin coming in with that white ball, and seen Shahid Afridi with the same spin coming in. But you know, we, we bowled Stark the one over, and and then we didn't bring him back till like the eighth or ninth or tenth over, and he obviously uh, led the wickets for us. But I just I just feel that. You know, with, with that wind, you know, we, we want to give Stark two, three overs at the start to to be able to uh, give him that momentum and and the confidence with that swing ball. I, I just didn't feel that we maximised on our bowling attack and, and how we uh, set that lineup. We, we threw Maxwell in here and there, and we, we threw Zampa in, and we went back to Cummins, went back to, to Maxwell. It, it was just all over the place, and I think yeah. Dan Watson also agreed. Who who bowled Ali? Who bowled the second over for the Aussies last night? Obviously, I didn't start for it. Maxwell. Uh, okay, interesting. I've, I've I've often thought about that for the bowlers that momentum that you don't get uh, bowl one as you say come back. But uh, anyway, it was a solid total that they set. Pakistan, they've got the support behind them as well. I mean, the crowd was fully one sided their way. So in terms of a performance on the world stage, I, mean, I can't remember one much better in T20 cricket, whatever it is, you know, hit and giggle or not. Uh, under that sort of pressure with the crowd against you, I thought it was as good a performance as, as I've seen. Brock's on the road. What'd you make of it? Hey, Kano. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'm a bit like you were saying the other week, mate. I've, you know, you wake up, I don't, don't get up and watch it. You wake up and you say that you won and you're like, yeah, it's good that we've won. But I think if we had a loss last night and everyone woke up to that, we wouldn't have cared too much either. I think, most cricket fans are more worried about the Ashes coming up. I know I'm checking the scores and seeing how Harris and Kawaja and uh, all these probables uh, are going, and I'm a bit more interested in that at the moment than the T20, if I'm being honest. I mm. think, yeah, it's just only cause, as you said, only because we, we won last night that there's a little bit of excitement about it, but I don't think there'll be too many people getting up at 1am on Monday to watch it. Uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll ask the question, 0433981116, do you, will you get up to what, it's in an ordinary spot, isn't it? I, I did see a tweet saying, with the time difference in New Zealand and in Australia, why don't they bring it forward a couple of hours to make it in a much better time slot for the two nations that are playing? Now, that makes a lot of sense for us, and we would absolutely support that. I'm not sure what it means for programming, but pretty easy to flick it forward a couple of hours, you would think. I think that's unlikely to happen. I wish it would. But, yeah, will you start up and watch it? Um, let us know your thoughts. Three consecutive sixes should be regarded as a batting hat-trick, says Bob. Yeah, what's, hard, you, what's harder? Three wickets or three six? Probably three wickets in a row is harder, but um, especially to finish the innings like that as well, Bob. Uh, you don't see much better batting performance and power hitting than what Matthew Wade delivered last night. Phil's in Sunbury. Uh, what do you make of the cricket, Phil? Uh, yes, Kane. I draw your attention to your comments a couple of weeks ago on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And I totally agreed with you then about who gives the stuff about the World Cup. So I'm wondering why you were uh, not just going past it today and forgetting about it and Looking forward to the real cricket, but I will say one thing. Matthew Wade is the most underrated cricketer in Australia at the moment, and he should be in the test side. Well, we're speaking about it because it's, it's an international World Cup final. Um, and, you know, as I reference those comments, and a lot of you are the same. You text through, you know, you know if we had have lost this morning, would you be up in arms? You know, probably not. Probably just move on with your day and probably can't even remember the last four World Cup winners at T20 level, as we have discussed. But 
When you put in a performance like that, it needs to be noted, I reckon, and particularly for for a couple of reasons. I think the pressure that Warner and Finch were under, um, and you know Finch got a first ball duck, so that didn't help. But certainly Dave Warner's his ability to bounce back throughout this tournament under the pressure that he's been under is significant. And the coach, I mean, the coach has been under the pump. An article every second day leaks from inside the camp. His coaching style has been questioned. His future of the coach has been as coach has been questioned as well. If he can deliver the first T20 World Cup with our performances leading in and how bad they were in this format, it's a massive achievement. And he's hardly put a foot wrong. Publicly, Justin Langer, he's put his hand up to do the media. He's backed in David Warner. He's backed in his group. He's taken a bit more of a hands-off approach. And, and that's the story for me, is his coaching performance. And you're not hearing any stories about Justin Langer being under pressure at the moment, uh, winning solves a lot of problems. So that's why it's that's why it's really topical for me this morning on the back of that performance against all the odds last night. Uh, Billy's on the line. Uh, you want to speak about Nat Fife, Bill? Yeah, just before I do, Kane, um, yeah, you're spot on uh, about um, Cummings and Stark still to come in. I think they would have finished it anyway. But I, how ironic, five, six days ago, everyone was saying drop Wade, drop Warner, and actually Warner gave us a start and Wade finished it off for us. So it was quite ironic. Mm. And I agree, they should change of time slot considering it's Australia versus New Zealand. Um, just with Nat Five, should the football world be really concerned about his injury now because he's sort of leading towards the same path as Michael Hurley? I'd be really concerned. Uh, and it's not often you hear a player come out and speak publicly about how concerned they are about themselves. I mean, to... to to hear what he's been through, and he, I think to, to use n- not exactly his words, but his shoulders almost like marsh, and then he's had the infection, and he says that he hasn't run for four months. He's now 30 years of age. He's hardly played a full season in the last six years, and he's banged up. So they're going to have to take a really cautious approach with him. Perhaps he doesn't, he's not ready and prepared for round one of the season, and it's more a long-term view. The thing that uh, Justin Longmuir has done well with him is they've been less reliant on on that Fife. It, it hasn't been like a Dangerfield Geelong situation where if he's available, he's midfield. With Fife, if he hasn't been there, they've been okay. They've gone youth and they've rejuvenated that midfield. So he's done that well. But yeah, I'd be I'd be really concerned at his age with the injury history that he's had and to see how he's faring right now uh, before an all-important preseason. Not great at all. We'll speak about and touch on some of those big footy issues throughout the morning and get your thoughts on that as well. Uh, Dave wants to speak about the cricket as well. You reckon New Zealand are under the pump, Dave? Yeah, well, last night's win, New Zealand going to think 177 isn't enough. And the thing about Australia's lineup, you got to look individually one of those players, yeah, Maxwell and Finch aren't firing, but if they fire with Warner and Wade, 300 ain't going to be safe. <laughs> well, that, that, but that's the thing. Like, it, it has been enough. Like, 177... Like New England only posted 166, and and New Zealand got there with an over to go. So that there hasn't in these conditions, there hasn't been huge scores. So I would have absolutely been backing in Pakistan last night to defend 176 with their bowling lineup. So and the interesting part about the tournament is the success of teams bowling first that have had and the Aussies have been on the right side of that I think all bar one game um, we've chased down the total and that's where the success has lied so the toss of the coin is going to be interesting uh, it's fascinating though um, and sets it up for, for an absolute ripper um, on the other side of this I want to speak about the Liam Jones story and the media's role 
in it and to get your thoughts on it because uh, the story was broken by Mitch Clear, of course, on Channel 7 that there was a, a, a vaccine-hesitant player at Carlton. You all know the story now. Sam McClure, a day or so later, named that player, and he's been he's been smashed, as, as journalists do, and you go through the tweet and the audio that was released on Sports Day and, and whether Twitter's real life or not, he, he got absolutely smashed. I want to give you my views on that, on the other side of it, and the role that the media have in a new COVID world. one 736 736 for Australian Superbike Racing. That's at the Bend, December the 3rd to the 5th. Absolute world class uh, here at the Bend as well. So that'll be terrific. We've got a big show coming up. We'll speak some American sport. Fitzy will find us a winner at the races. We'll speak some cricket with Bryce McGain. The quiz is back bigger and ever. Uh, and I want to speak about this TV show that I'm watching as well, which is just amazing. So we'll get to that and all the footy news on the other side of this. We're up and running. It's 18 minutes past. On ECM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. This is a significant moment for the AFL through the lens of COVID-19. A top, arguably top 10 player at a club vying to play finals next year, who is a key position player, which means they're harder to come across. Mm-hmm has told the Carlton Football Club that he does not wish to be vaccinated. Unless he changes his mind, he will be unable to fulfil his contract, which means he will find himself off the Carlton Football Club's list and unable to join another list because the AFL and the AFLPA have made this cut and dry. There you have it. Sports Day. Sam McClure with Jimmy Bartell opting to name Liam Jones as the player. A lot of you are unhappy with this, and I... I get the angst towards journalists just or, or whoever publicly. You know, if, if any strong opinions go online, you get a strong response. Now, Twitter's not real life. I think there's a sort of, sort of study that 30% only are on Twitter and then uh, only a certain percentage would engage with that. But the responses were strong. Um, an example of those are throwing him under the bus, says Angus. Very strange. You would do this as a Blues supporter. Kaz says you're a big goose and none of your business to name the play. You should have respected his privacy. And there's, he- there's heaps of them. Now, these are the same people on Twitter who had everyone guessing with every Carlton supporter. So I saw Liam Jones's name. This is prior to him being um, revealed as a player. I saw other Carlton players names who everyone was guessing that that was the player so surely it was better to remove any doubt over the rest of the Carlton group by naming the player and his name was trending on Twitter before his name was even released so these people that are saying should be named are the same ones guessing and speculating on social media they're in the Carlton WhatsApp groups trying to um, guess and have a, a, a go at who the player was it removes any of that doubt how is it different to a concussion? So everyone, the other, the argument is it's um, it's private medical records. How, how is it different to a player who's struggling with concussion or a player who's out with a hamstring injury or an illness that misses the game? That is in the public interest for the Carlton fans to know who are paid up members if one of their best players isn't going to be there day one of preseason or isn't going to be there for round one. Absolutely, it is in the public interest. And the more that we are... I guess, mature about this. And we saw how excellently Hawthorne handled it with Finn McGuinness. There was no guessing over who had tested positive for Hawthorne. He's been gone for nearly two years. Who cares if anyone's got COVID? Finn McGuinness has got COVID, said Hawthorne. He did everything right. These are the players that are isolating. Bang, we move on. It's going to happen weekly, you would think, this year. So I thought their maturity 
with it. And this is where I think the AFL Players Association needs to step up as well. They're not happy with players being um, revealed to the public. Well, it is in the public interest. If you cannot play and if you are going to be removed from a list, absolutely that player will be named. And I've got no issue with it, despite all of those people that are probably hypocritical having a crack trying to reveal and guess who Liam Jones was having a go at Sam McClure. This is no different to a concussion injury and or a cu- concussion issue medically. Um, and, of course, that is going to be named. And, and if I knew the player, I'd name them. But, you know, it's not my go to be breaking stories or anything like that. It's not really what I'm into. But I, I had no issue and I thought the criticism directed to Sam was was um, was unfair. Anyway, you can agree or disagree, as I'm sure you will, and I'll always give you your platform to have your say. Steve is on the line. Uh, you disagree, Steve. Why? I do, Cornsy. Um, yeah, you make a good point about the other medical records, but uh, the main reason is there's a deadline. There's a deadline that he had to uh, either um, get on board or or yep. resign, you know, um, and I don't think at all, and I really, really strongly um, disagree with him being named before that deadline. After that deadline, fair enough, but before that deadline, um, you know, the extra pressure he and his family are going to be copying, the club, the scrutiny, um, the, the, you know, the disappointment in, in Carlton supporters, myself included, you know, like, if he's made that decision, fair enough, then it's his decision and they've exhausted all avenues, but not before that deadline. That is a disgrace. But then everyone's guessing anyway. So the story is revealed. Then then 40 Carlton players are lumped into the same bracket. And you saw, if, I don't know if you're on social media or not, Steve, but you saw everyone having a guess. It's this player. No, it's this player. I, I saw six names. I had five people text me asking me who the Carlton player was. Everyone's on their WhatsApp groups having a crack and... I guess it, it, it puts the, the broad brush over all the Carlton players. So once the name is – and he may turn around and go and get vaccinated. Then then who cares? Uh, good, good luck to him. And no one's going to have an issue with that, and he's, he's right to go. So he, before that deadline, he still has time to do that. But it's a significant story, I, I, I think so anyway, uh, that the player could lose their career by this. And um, I, as I said, I don't have an issue with that happening. I think it's solved a few problems that we actually now know who the player is, and it's – useful for his teammates who were perhaps in a, a really difficult spot when some were considering that it was them and it wasn't. Steve's in Lilydale. Do you agree with Sam McClure naming Liam Jones, Steve? Yeah, uh, Kane, hope you're well. Uh, just quickly before I get on to that, I think Brock needs another break. Um, I think he's shown he knows as much about cricket as he does about football, Kane. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get up at 1am on Monday morning, so I think Brock needs another break. Um, just just about Sam McClure, I'm hiring him to Michelangelo Ritchie yesterday as well because I'm confused about this as well. Uh, maybe you could help me. I, I don't have a problem with Sam McClure naming the player. Um, I, I, I was happy to know, and that's fine. But my, my issue is, uh, is with what seems like media hypocrisy over when Mark Robinson was sick. Mark Robinson was sick for about four months and had, had, a, had time off for a medical issue. Um, I would consider Mark Robinson to be a public figure and that he's on the TV and radio seven days a week. And yet, on Jared's show, on AFL 360, Jared said, well, look, it's not for me to talk about Robbo's illness. I remember you were asked about it on the captain's run, and you said, well, it's not for me. Um, hey, so I wonder hey what, Steve, what just stick around. We've got, we got the 9.30 news headlines. An interesting point. I'll, I'll go back to you after the 9.30 news headlines with Adam Pont. Back to Steve. Uh-
SEN, The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. 23 minutes to 10 o'clock, taking your calls, discussion, the Aussies through to the T20 World Cup. You can have your say, the final that is, you can have your say on that. You can speak about all the footy stories that we've had this week. Haven't um, spoken to you since this skinfold story emerged. I can't believe there's some people that agree with that decision. Uh, and Liam Jones, should he have been named or should he have not? Prior to the ad break, we had Steve who brought up a really good point. We're hard up against the news, so we had to go to it. Um, Steve thinks he's important, but the news was just a little bit more important at that time. But he's been good enough to hold on. Steve, thanks for holding. Yeah, it's nice to have my own slot, Kane, at that time. Um, yeah, I was just talking about Mark, Mark Robinson, and he was given the right to talk about his own, his own issues, mental, uh, medical issues, mm-hmm. in his own time. Uh, he was given four months, and there was plenty of speculation online. There was plenty of talk. Even people rang into the radio station. I remember uh, you saying on the captain's run, well, it's a, it's a medical I- I issue, and we'll let Robbo talk about it. Um, yeah. So I'm just wondering why. I mean, Robbo was the one who broke the Alex Vasolo mental health depression story when the club didn't want him to. Um, I'm just wondering what the difference is, why there's this journalistic veil of secrecy against one of, uh, on one of their own, yet that rule is thrown out of the, of the window completely when it comes to an AFL player. Well, I think it's a good point. I, I, I do. And I, in the ad break, you raised it and I thought about it. I, I guess it comes down to um, if Liam Jones, through a personal choice, um, so, so Robbo's issue was unexpected, out of the blue, through a personal choice, is going to hurt his football team who have paid up members, who have paid to um, be a member of the Carlton Football Club, and he's not going to be there and one of your best players isn't going to be there for round one, I think it's in the public interest of the Carlton supporters who have paid up as members of their footy club. Whereas Robbo, who's who's Robbo accountable to, really? Who who suffers if Robbo isn't there on AFL 360? Someone else fills in and we move on. But it's not. I don't. It's not cut and dry. Like I'm. I'm just. I'm just sort of thinking out loud here, Steve. I, I think it's a reasonable point that you make, and I'm not. I'm not vehemently disagreeing with you at all. Um, and I can see, you know, speaking of hypocrisy, I can see a little bit there as well. But they would be the reasons that I, I think would be logical to explain the reason where why Robbo was, wasn't was named and, and Liam Jones has been. Sean's in South Melbourne. G'day, Sean. G'day, uh, Kane. Yep. Are uh, you there? Yeah, good uh, yeah, conversation between you and Steve because that's a good uh, good point you both make because that's kind of my point. My point point would be on the contract for Liam when he signed the contract there would be nothing about participating in a medical trial as it is in his contract and I would uh if I was him I would bring that up I mean you know they'll change you can't change someone's contract mid-term was that was the clause in there that he had to participate in a medical trial when he signed yeah, I'm not sure we're going to put uh, anti-vaxxers to air and, and give them much of a platform, Sean, but um, I don't think it, there was a, the expectation that there'd be a worldwide pandemic um, come across and um, uh, and kill millions and millions of people um, throughout when he signed that contract. So things change, mate, and, and the AFL really had no option but to mandate this vaccine. Now, it's his choice if he doesn't want to get vaccinated, but he'll have to live with the consequences of that. Scott's in Hobart. You want to speak about this skinfold story, Scott, where the AFL has banned uh, players at the draft camp having their skinfolds tested. Have you got a view on that? Yeah, I do. Um, I've got a I've, I've, we've got a daughter who was an 18-year-old swimmer 
um, in the national ID, ID squad, and she she had a skin folds skin folds done, and she she had an eating disorder after that. So I totally agree with them. Like it's the kids of that age should not be have their skin folds done, whether they're elite or not. You can see by the swimmers these days who are body shamed. I understand that, Scott, but a month later, they're going to have their skin folds done anyway at an AFL club. So it's a, it would be about identifying those uh, predispositions, I guess, if that's the right word, supporting the players around that. The results are never made public, um, giving them as much privacy as possible. But there's a raft of tests that these athletes are put through. Why is, it, why is skin folds, why is that out but you can still measure them for weight. You can still measure them for height. You can still measure them for speed. I mean, I, I had as much anxiety about my speed as I did about my skin folds heading into the draft camp. So to be a professional athlete, you have to cope with the pressures that um, come with preparing yourself as that. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that your daughter went through that and, and the issues that a lot of athletes have and a lot of wider society has. But if you sign up to be a professional athlete there's some things that you go through now hopefully there's the right support around the players to be able to handle that and the privacy is paramount but i just think how far do we go how far do we go with this is is speed outlawed because if you're slow you might not get drafted either but uh, they don't take into consideration you may read the play faster than anyone else i I think it's i I think it's the world gone mad honestly I'm, i'm so sorry to hear your story and your experience with it um but across the board this is uh, I think it's a, a ridiculous story. 0427 if you want to have your say on that or you can join in the conversation. Speaking of the cricket, um, last night, David Warner hit a double bouncer into the grandstand. Now, Gooden Gambier is uh, he's an Indian uh, legend. He's a, a politician over there. He's got 12 million Twitter followers and he went to Twitter to absolutely condemn David Warner for his sportsmanship to hit a double bouncer into the stand. He said, what an absolute pathetic display of the spirit of the game by Warner. Shameful. Let's have a listen to this ball from Hafiz and David Warner dispatching it. Hello. Oh, he's hit it for six. That's incredible strength. Wait a minute. There you go. There's Mark. I miss Mark. He's a terrific commentator, isn't he, Mark Nicholas? But... If you bowl that sort of rubbish, you deserve to be dispatched into the crowd. Now, to call it a shameful display of sportsmanship, shameful display of sportsmanship is taking sandpaper out in the ground and tampering with the ball. It's not hitting a hot pie with sauce into the grandstand that bounced on the pitch. No issue, David Warner. And Gooden Gambier is completely off the mark. Unbelievably, nearly 20,000 people liked his tweet. Of course, I said he's got a huge following, but... Uh, couldn't believe the controversy that that's uh, ensured off that horrible ball last night. Let's go to the phones. We've got Jesse there. I think we do. Yes, we do. Yep. Jesse, welcome. Yeah. What do you want to speak about, mate? Uh, first and foremost, I just wanted to say the Dave Warner incident, what a joke. I mean, oh. that's all part of cricket, right? Seriously. Um, and the second point was, about the skin folding, I definitely understand the, the history around it and your point, but really, I guess what I wanted to say was 
it's a performance-based sport, right? And mm-hmm. the science behind skin folding and body fat percentage, we all understand that, you know, people have higher body fat percentages than others. But really, when it comes down to fitness and running around the football field, it may not be relevant at all. So that's my only point, that I just don't really see the relevance of why it's tested as to how it relates to you being out in the field. What it does, Jesse, and I'm strong on this, it's an indication of your discipline, right? So if if you are if you are a high skin fold player, now the relevance to your performance, I I can understand that. Albeit, I'd, I'd still say if you if you're carrying more fat, then it's harder to get around the ground, and it's going to be detrimental to your performance. But what it is for me is an indication of your discipline. And it is an early red flag or it is something that can be identified by a club. And I don't think high skin folds would ever deter a club from not drafting someone. But what it might do is to make sure that there's a diet plan in place from the minute that they got there to to watch how they're spending their time away from the footy club. It's about your discipline. Now, there's a whole heap of tests that they do at the draft camp that I think are irrelevant. I mean, they test your reaction time. I mean, what... You, you, you're running vertical jump off. I mean, is is a high running vertical jump a reflection of the success that you're going to have at AFL level? It's an indication of your athleticism. Is it relevant to football? Um, the old beep test that they did, not really relevant to the way that footy is played these days. It's more about repeat efforts and, and speed. There's a whole heap of things that they do at the draft game, millions of tests that are irrelevant. So why are they getting rid of this one when I think it's a – sign of your discipline. Happy to debate that with you if you would like. Thank you for your call, Jesse. Appreciate it. Let's go to our NFL expert, ESPN host, Laurie Horace. She joins us uh, regularly. Laurie, thanks so much for your time. Oh, always great to join you. I've got to say I'm a little nervous and feeling a little edgy after you used the word beep test with the previous call. That's bringing back all sorts <laughs> awful. awful memories from oh, high school. It's the not worst. Me. No, and that's when I was worst. physically fit. I'd hate to see <laughs> register these days. Hey, mate, another week, another heap of storylines from the NFL. Let's start with OBJ. What's happened? Where's he signed? Well, it seems like it came down to the Green Bay Packers, who had been linked for a while, and the always in on every high-priced free agent, or high, not high-priced in this situation, but certainly highly named free agent, the LA Rams, and that's where he's landed. He's headed to Los Angeles. I actually thought there was a fantastic fit in Los Angeles with the Chargers, given some of the speed they could use at wide receiver to kind of elevate and really open up the passing game with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams. But he's gone to the other LA team, their neighbours, in the Rams, who are in a stacked, stacked mm. team already. They have superstar names galore. We know what's happened with bringing in Matthew Stafford, um, and he's thrown himself immediately into the MVP conversation with his play. Aaron Donald is every year the Defensive Player of the Year front runner, and will have his name in the mix again. They acquired Jalen Ramsey in recent seasons, who's the best defensive back in the game. They were traded for Von Miller a week ago from the Denver Broncos for a second and a third round pick. And they've added Odell Beckham now to a wide receiver call that already boasts uh, Robert Woods, the breakout receiver, well, not breakout receiver of the year, but the elevated elite receiver of the year in Cooper Cup, who may be the best wide receiver in the game today in terms of his production so far this season. So you throw Odell into that mix, not to mention a promising young receiver in Van Jefferson who may very well take a few few fewer snaps and get a few fewer targets now that Odell's in town. But this is, they're all in. That's the only way you can phrase it. You can see that phrase on social media everywhere talking about the Rams. They saw an opportunity because of Odell's decline in production in recent years and his health and because he's got 
plenty of money that he's made in an uh, unproductive mm. time, shall we say, with Cleveland. They were able to get him. The figures will come out, but a very, very, very tidy contract there. Very um, handleable, very manageable for the Rams' front office to get that under the cap, and they only had a few million in cap space left for the season. So this is a, I mean, I'd say you can't really say it's a warning shot to the rest of the NFC because the Rams were talented enough coming into this season mm. when they acquired Stafford. They already fired another warning shot with Von Miller. This is just just a reminder to everybody else in the league that the NFL has changed. Uh, the This is not the never trade. Um, you know, free agency is a, a scary, almost a four-letter word to some teams uh, in the way that, you know, the risk that you take going in there. This is a league where your windows for playoffs and your windows for championships are only a few years, if that. Uh, that that's how long the window stays open. So while it is open, do everything you can uh, to get things in there, to pry it open just that little bit longer. And that's what Odell Beckham represents for the LA Rams. And just a quick word on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he, he's sort of been made to look foolish and he's been ridiculed for his misleading of the public saying that he was immunized, but he wasn't vaccinated. Has he gone back on those comments, Laurie? Not so much gone back on those comments, and I don't expect it's going to change whatever process and you know formula he's gone through and the way he has he's running his life and run, the way he manages his body. I don't think there's any walking back that we're seeing there. But he did when he appeared um, on the Pat McAfee show this week. Uh, he did kind of apologise for or take ownership, I should say, um, take ownership for anyone that was misled. Um, by his comments. So a pretty, if you want to say that's walking it back, it's a pretty lukewarm effort there. Uh, but I, what's changed, not a great deal other than that Green Bay Packers fans got a, <laughs> a little view into what the future might look with Jordan Love, who was, yes, it's his first career start. You don't want to overjudge, but he didn't look... It, Jordan Love did not look like a player who's been you know, behind the mantle, behind the... The, 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 the reserve seat there in Green Bay, learning off Aaron Rodgers' last couple of years and really growing and maturing behind the scenes and getting up to speed with the NFL. He definitely looked out of his depth. He did have wide receiver targets back that Rodgers was missing last time out. And I think it, it's what we talk about, right, in sport, and it's not just the NFL. This is sport worldwide. Um, players have any number of missteps to all sorts of degrees in different fields, whether that's off the field, on the field, uh, whether that is with Rogers managing his body or the way he communicated about his vaccination status, all sorts of things. But quite often, whether it's forgiven or forgotten, uh, the process to moving on and the process for players and teams wanting you back on the field is a lot quicker when you're at the talent level of an Aaron Rodgers. Mm. And in a word, mate, before we let you go, who wins today? The Ravens get it done against the Dolphins? Ravens do get it done against the Dolphins. Mm. Sorry to say that, Dolphins fans. And we come out of this knowing exactly what an MVP candidate looks like, and that is Lamar Jackson. Good on you, mate. Thanks so much for your time again. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Laurie Horish from ESPN. Any NFL reporter, plenty happening in the NFL. We've got a massive show coming up. Plenty of time for you to have your say. You can speak about the Liam Jones issue, the skin folds debate. A lot of you having your say on the text line about that. We'll go through a few of those on the other side of this. And the cricket, what a story from the Aussies last night. one 736 On ECM. The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Three minutes to 10 o'clock. Best show on TV at the moment, in my opinion, of course, is Succession. Uh, I loved this exchange between Tom and Shiv on, what is it, episode four of season three. I just keep thinking about, you know, you know when we get home uh, before dinner and we have the very first glass of cold white wine 
Mm-hmm. And an empty stomach, you know, that very cold glass of wine. I just love that. <laughs> it got me thinking about, like, life's luxuries, okay? So what is it for you? So so for Tom, he's, he's talking about and worried about going to prison, so he's not going to be able to get his cold white wine out of the fridge, that first glass of cold white wine. What is it for you? 0433 98 11 16. Um, is it the Friday afternoon really, really cold beer? Now, I'm not a big I'm not a big beer drinker, but those of you that are would swear by life not getting much better than the moment that cold beer hits your lips when you knock off on Friday. Or what is it? Probably for me, it's the Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of things. You go for a run on a really hot day, like a really hot day, and you go for a hard run, jumping in the pool or the beach. Just that, the first moment the water hits you. I mean, we talk sport, but we also talk all sorts of things. And is Succession the best show on TV last night? Um, I would love your thoughts on that. Or is that certainly not just me? Because it's very popular. But uh, let us know if you are into it as much as what I am into it. Life's luxuries, 0433901116. can take your text on that for temper a mattress like no other. Plenty of sport to get through in the next couple of hours. Busy, busy first hour. Thank you to all of you who got involved and joined in the conversation. As always, don't forget the Australian Superbike racing at the Bend December 3 to 5. Uh, motorsport in a big way back in South Australia. And we're going to speak to Bryce McGain, uh, cricket guru, who gives his thoughts on the Aussies' performance last night and where that ranks in the history of Australian cricket. Also, we look ahead to the Ashes. Marcus Harris reportedly in line to open the batting for his country um, for the Ashes. Miles Fitzner to find us a winner over the weekend. The quiz is back. Most importantly, though, we got lines available right now. Jump on, get involved. What's got you up and about in the world of sports? Time now for the 10 o'clock news with Adam Rain becoming windy, 14 the top today. Showers and 15 tomorrow. Showers increasing, windy, 15 on Sunday. Showers 15 Monday, a possible shower 16 Tuesday, then a possible shower again and 20 on Wednesday. Right now it's 11 degrees and every ball of this summer's Ashes series is live right here on your home of sport at SEN. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, and look, it's an interesting one because if they did win this tournament, I actually rate it in terms of coaching achievements ahead of winning the Ashes at home. Now, the Ashes is far more important to all of us. We all get that. But in terms of degree of difficulty, winning a World Cup offshore in Dubai, that that's actually a harder achievement. The great Crash Craddock speaking with Jared on Monday says that winning this T20 World Cup is a harder achievement than winning the Ashes at home. Well, that was before their stunning performance and run chase last night to send them through to the T20 World Cup final against New Zealand on Monday morning. To tell us all about it is one of our SEN cricket experts. You can catch all the action with KO Minis. Bryce McGain joins us. Bryce, thanks so much for your time. Good morning, Kane. Uh, long-time listener and uh, first-time interviewer <laughs> with you. <laughs> uh, well, it's great to have you on board, mate. We, we, we are absolutely <laughs> thrilled to have you on board. Um, to get your insights, how good was it last night? I'm trying to put it into perspective of where this ranks in terms of some of Australia's international uh, performances. 
I, I didn't hear Crash's thing before you um, put it up then. Look, I think that's a, a really good point. It is so difficult, and just with the, the, the conditions and all the teams, and maybe they're a long way ahead of where Australia was as well, so to, to actually go ahead and now win this World Cup would be something quite remarkable. Um, the Australian T20 team really hasn't found its mojo ever, is probably the best way to put it, because I guess we haven't quite nailed it at the international level. We've got plenty of players who have a lot of experience around the world, IPL, of course, and in Big Bash, and we often tend to just pick the best run scorers and throw them in a team and the best players will do the job. But what we're finding is that the role... We're seeing that with Mitch Marsh, and when we didn't have him in a game this year, we sort of lost a bit of um, firepower at the top of the order in the power play. So we're, we're seeing some definitive roles coming out, and it's really pleasing to see that Australia have been able to pull that together. Obviously, Justin Lang is the chief of that, but also there's some big input, obviously, with Aaron Finch, and I know that um, the, the up-and-coming coaching support of Andrew McDonald is also really influential in the group. So it is so pleasing to see how Australia are going in this World Cup. Now, Bryce, you stayed up and watched it. How are you feeling at the innings break? Uh, do you think we had any possibility of chasing that score down? Because across the tournament, it hasn't been a high-scoring tournament in those conditions. No, the, the advantage, though, Kane, that we had was batting second. And uh, just hearing Matthew Wade after the game just mentioning, you know, there's a bit of dew that came in. And what that means is the ball just sort of skids on a bit. It doesn't hold up quite as much in the wicket. And that's just got to do with the evening conditions there. So that was a, a positive for us. But, look, I've got to be honest with you, I was a bit toey. And then a couple of big sixes in the last over um, was a bit concerning as well. So I thought that the, anything over 170, 175 is going to be a big stretch and it'll take something special to chase it down. And that's what we got. Mm. That's what we absolutely got because Matthew Wade's final 33 came off just eight balls. Now, he hasn't been required to do too much with the bat this tournament. I must admit he's been really solid behind the stumps. A couple of his catches off Adam Zampa throughout the tournament have been sharp and elite, but he turned back the clock. Yeah, he did. Look, he's always had that sort of firepower. And, look, going back, this is a lot of years now when I played with him in Victoria. He was, he was our keeper there. We played in the Shield final, and we were in enormous trouble um, uh, against Queensland. And we ended up winning the game, but it was on the back of this first innings batting performance by he and, and John Hastings. And he was just so gritty, determined, but under enormous pressure, when the stakes are at their highest, he performs his best. Now, how good is that to have batting at mm. seven for Australia mm. and then just stepping up? Now, that is known, and that's been part of his cricket DNA since, you know, he was a teenager. And they're the things that, um, you know, astute cricket judges like Greg Shippard, the coach of Victoria, wanted to get into Victorian cricket. Now, Wade, he's gone back to Tasmania. He's an honorary Victorian and uh, won a number of um, Shield titles with Victoria and, of course, played test matches for Australia. But I don't think it's doing any harm... If we look at the test match, I don't think it's doing this performance and his ability to do that regularly. It's not doing any harm for him to get back in that test lineup too and maybe bat in the right position. Of course, we cooked him when he, op he was mm. forced to open the batting. So hopefully this uh, springs to more opportunities for him down the track.
Yeah, I, I heard him speak the other day. He was almost defeatist in in that that he, you know, a realist that he wouldn't get back into the test side. Who knows? A performance like that may change your mind a little bit. Bryce McGain joins us, one of our SEN cricket experts, to take us through his stunning performance and run chase from the Aussies last night. And look, publicly, Justin Langer backed in David Warner. In fact. So did his teammates after the, the form slump that he was in, got dropped in the IPL, and hasn't he rewarded them? Uh, what a performance from him recently as the longer the tournament's gone on, he's looked better. He set the platform last night. There's no question about that. While he, we were losing wickets around, he was still there and, and was bold enough to keep attacking, and he certainly did that. I, I did, uh, you know, hitting the double bounce six. Um, that's a dreadful ball that deserves to be put in the top tier, and that's what he did. Um, forget about uh, Ganguly's uh, comments about it. That's not spirit of cricket. You get served that up. You, everyone yeah. has the right to launch that one out 100%. of the park. So I'm glad he did. Um, I think also he, he, he's another one. He is just a performer, isn't he? Isn't he a big-time performer? And I guess they're the things that his teammates trust with. And it, it, sound, it, it seems like a really good dynamic. We don't get to see inside the Australian team enough. For me, we got a little vision of it, of course, with um, with what was happening with that uh, that movie that is the documentary. The test, yeah. Yeah, but we we've, we've never really got you know in behind or really understand the dynamic of that, and it, it's terrific to see that you know maybe we're getting a touch of that now. The support, all players play better when they're supported, not when they're out on a limb and fighting for their fighting for survival. And it's terrific that they've been able to do that, and he's performing really well. He's a seasoned campaigner, and um, Aaron Finch will come good too. He, yeah, he's just playing his role, and the trust around the team for that as well would be, hey, it's okay. It'll come good, and I think the same would be for Glenn Maxwell as well. I, I don't suspect any changes, Kane, coming up for the mm. final. I reckon they'll go in with the same formula. Um, but they can also mix and match a little bit as well with who are the matchups. And one of the things we saw last night, if I can quickly add it, is... Um, Mitchell Stark, now, I know he would generally bowl when the ball's swinging, and he did bowl the first over, but they knew that Pakistan's difficulty and where they really go hard is at the end of the innings. So we needed Stark to then bowl at the end, and he did, and he did a really good job. Yeah, he got hit for a couple of sixes in the end, but uh, he did a sensational job in playing a different role, but a role that his team needed. Mm. Australia looked to have all playing all the right cards at the right time, and it's, it's terrific to see at the pointy end of such an important tournament. Yeah, technically they were terrific. Had we lost, though, Bryce, we, we would be... Uh, a lot of people with the social media age would be highly critical of Glenn Maxwell for getting out the way that he did. Again, he averages eight for the tournament, 18, 6, 5, 16, not out, zero not out, and seven last night from 10 balls. How concerned should we be... Obviously, his position isn't in jeopardy, um, but does he need a talking to and, and does he need to put that shot away or not? It's the way he's played since the first time he turned up in the nets. There. I keep going back to Victoria, but he turned up in the nets there and everyone was pulling their hair out. What are you doing, Maxie? Now he's doing mm. it on the world stage in IPL and um, one of the leading T20 players around the world. Look, I, I think a couple of the not outs were just how it is. The, the game wraps up and he's at the other end. So, um, look, I... So, there's something special in Glenn Maxwell, and we see it in the field, what he brings in that respect. Um, his bowling is incredibly valuable. They're, they're playing him as the fifth bowler and sharing that with Mitch Marsh, giving Aaron Finch the option 
to get the right matchups and his gut feel at the time. So I think there's more value to what Glenn Maxwell offers than just the runs he scores. Um, mm. And his experience as well. You can see him when they... And, and the camera work's been unbelievable, Kane. Like, the way that they've shown close-ups of players, and he's communicating with other players around the field about being calm and switching on and things like that, supporting the team. Um, I think he's absolutely invaluable. His time will come, and I hope it's in the final if he gets that opportunity. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, no, he's he's bowling some handy overs. He's fielding his elite. Uh, let's just hope he goes big in the final. Uh, last one on the on the T20 stuff, New Zealand. Uh, what, what do we need to be wary of? I mean, they're great in all formats, but particularly the T20. What do we have to look out for? <laughs> Probably their, their drive, their, their, their organisation, their commitment for each other. You know, it's, 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 it's second to none. What mm. they do as a team, they, you know, it's said many, many times, they, they punch above their weight and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, they do. And in terms of a team and, and, and playing cricket in the right manner, but sacrificing their own game to play the role for their team, they do that better than anyone. And I, I admire them enormously and, and look at a number of things they do and actually share that with uh, in my coaching as well because... There's so much to learn out of great teams like that and the way that they manage themselves is, is second to none. They've got firepower hitting. They've certainly got that, and that got them over the line against England. They were able to chase it down when they were looking most unlikely. They've got firepower hitting and really smart, clever bowling as well. We're going to have our work cut out. It's going to be a ripping final. It's so exciting and uh, you know, terrific that Australia got through. And I think it's fitting that, he, that New Zealand are through as well. And... Um, you know, and don't we enjoy sometimes that England get knocked off in a semi as well? Absolutely, we do. Uh, I uh, I lied. Uh, one more, because the text coming through as a fellow spinner, how impressed have you been with Zampa, and where does he rank now on the world stage uh, in T Twenty cricket? He's next level now. He, he's the best spin bowler performing in this World Cup right in the heat of the moment. Uh, he's doing it exceptionally well. He's worked out his game. He he, he challenges stumps regularly. He has confidence in his own ability. He's not playing for his spot. He's actually spinning Australia to victory at different times. His middle overs are economical, but he's also a wicket taker. He's a match winner. Um, it's so pleasing to see him evolve in that manner. I think, honestly, it's probably been at the detriment of how he needs to play, and spinners need to have an adaptable game plan, and I think it might be might have cost him in terms of red ball bowling. It mm. is different strategies you need to bowl. So he, he isn't in line for test at this stage. But in terms of his white ball and T20 in the heat of the moment, he's second to none. He's right up there with the very, very best in the world. And credit to him, he's a hard worker. And I love he's a bit quirky too. All us spinners are a bit. So uh, <laughs> it's nice that he, he's able to be himself. And I think that's where he's benefiting as well. He's not tried to turn into a you know a, a certain person he can be mm. himself and the, the team embrace that um, I think it's a really successful formula and credit to him yeah it's a great story a couple on the ashes before we let you go uh, it appears Marcus Harris is the man to open with David Warner um, do you support that or would you have gone with Usman yeah Usman batting at four now for Queensland probably rules him out and I, I say that you know in recent history you know, there's two players, and I mentioned Matthew Wade, but Aaron Finch was another one where we push these players who bat at four and five and we go, oh, no, they're a good player, let's 
get them to open the batting. Now, of course, mm. they all say, yeah, I'll go and do that. I want to play test cricket and I want to play for my country and I want to represent it and be proud to do that. But you can't bat them out of position. I know Usman has opened before, but he's settled into number four for a little while now. And I think it'll be a big ask and it'll be the wrong thing to do to throw him out of position now. So I think it is Harris. Um, I was really impressed with Joe Burns. I know we've been there a little bit, um, but in the early Shield games and um, in my role as commentating those, I was really impressed with what he did uh, up at Townsville on a really green wicket. He made 79, but but it was bigger than just the number he scored. It was really hard swinging conditions, and he batted really well. So he's in the picture as well. Um, Look, but I think Harris is the, the incumbent, and look, um, I think he deserves it. Had a little slip up on a lively MCG wicket, which is exciting for Boxing Day. Just keep that in, uh, in the back of your mind as well. Mm. The wickets are belt are there. It's moving. There's seam. There's pace. There's bounce. It's good for batting. He missed out a couple of times there just on the weekend, but he'll get another chance against New South Wales in a week's time. Before we let you go, can the Aussies win it all on Monday morning? Let's dream big. I reckon we can. It's, it, it, it's such an exciting time, and for a lot of these uh, players who were, were probably a little unsure of what the future might hold in T20 or even Australian cricket, they've just brought it together. It's so pleasing to see. I reckon we're in with a real chance. I, it's a flip of a coin, really. Mm. Um, the, the talent in both lineups. Um, New Zealand probably don't have the household names quite like we do, but they're just as competitive. That They've gone through and, and performed exceptionally well. It's going to be a great final, but I, I really hope and believe um, as well on top of that that Australia can win it so it's exciting times Good on you Bryce thanks so much for your insights Great to catch up Kane Part of the SEN cricket team Bryce McGain joining us of course you can catch all that action on KO T20 World Cup exclusive to Fox Cricket available uh, on KO a little bit later on this hour we're going to speak to Daniel McCarty he's in New Zealand he's be calling the game for SENZ so we've got two, two calls happening we've got the SEN Call. We've also got the SENZ call happening as well. So the rivalry is on. Daniel's going to join us for the New Zealand side of things a little bit later on this hour. Don't forget to give back with Mick Happy Day. It's tomorrow. $2 from every Big Mac sold, including Mick Delivery, goes to helping seriously ill children and their families through RMHC. Mick Delivery available in select locations. Really special day tomorrow for Mick Happy Day. Get yourself a Big Mac and enjoy it. It's 19 minutes past 10. On the other side of this, we're going to open up the phone lines for your calls. Little window for you to have your say. one 736 736 We'll do that next. 24 minutes after 10 o'clock. We'd love for you to get involved. You can join in the conversation. Wherever you're listening to us this morning, no shortage of things to talk about. Heaps of footy news around the place as well. If you want your footy fix, we might touch on the biggest stories in the last five or so days just before 11 o'clock this morning. Um, and also, I asked you about life's luxuries. So watching a show called Succession at the moment, and Tom, he's a bit of – you're not my favourite character, Tom, but he had a really good scene where he describes the feeling of that really cold white wine at 5 o'clock in the afternoon as a real treat for him. I asked you, what's yours? Knock-off beer on a Friday, Arvo, with the boys talking absolute yammer. Life's luxury. What's talking yammer? I'm, I'm assuming that's just talking sort of junk. Uh, definitely the first cold beer after work. Great feeling, says Mark. Now, our gurus here at SEN through the online team, just doing massive numbers, the online team as well, we're about to launch a competition. 
We've sort of touched on this before. I, mean, I remember doing this topic with a number of you um, in recent years, but the best cult heroes in footy. So what our SEN digital team are asking for, we need eight names. So the biggest eight cult heroes in football, it's all for our great friends at Red Energy, and we are happy to take a call or two from you on that. Or you can send us a text if that's easier for temper, a mattress like no other, 0433981116. I want to know if there's any cult heroes left. So I, I get the cult heroes from the past. I get Wayne Wiedemann and Danny Southern and the like. Um, heaps of them in the 80s. Uh, Brian Taylor and Mark Jacko Jacks, those cult heroes. I, I understand. Is there any left? So out of these eight that we're going to talk about, are there any currently playing? Because I reckon cult heroes are almost a thing of the past. So everyone's sort of blending into the team atmosphere. No one wants to be too outspoken. No one wants to make too many statements. Is Bailey Smith a cult hero? Brooksy? Brooksy's my guru producer. There is no one more mad a Bulldogs fan than Brooksy. Is he too good a player to be a cult hero? 043398116. I think he's in the... I think he's in the category, but I just wonder whether he's too, and I say that with all due respect to the other cult heroes of the past, but a lot of these, a lot of these cult heroes, they're not your star players. They're not your, you know, they're not in your top five players. They're, they're more role players, I reckon, the old cult heroes. But I wonder if Bailey Smith is the last of the modern day cult heroes. You can have your say on that. Of course, that is all for Red Energy. Our digital team would like your thoughts on that. Brooksy reckons... He is a cult hero, but in two to three years' time, he's going to be too big for cult hero status. All right, 0433981116, here we go. We got, we got them coming through. Uh, I ask, and you return the favour. Basilenka, that is Bailey Smith, says Longy, and Tip and Woody, current day cult heroes. Uh, cult heroes in footy, Simon Goosey and Maddie Main would have to be up there. I'm not sure. Um, Cam Zerha, good one. Brucey Dool back in the day. Um, a lot of love for Cam Zerhar. I'll support that. Yeah, I reckon that I reckon he is a cult hero, absolutely. But he I think he has the talent to be one of the elite medium to small forwards in the game. Um, Stevie J was a cult. I wonder if Stevie J was too good though. I mean I'm still not sure Stevie J gets the credit he deserves for how good a footballer he was. I don't maybe I'm off there. Maybe he does get the credit. I don't think he He's one of the best small forwards I've ever seen, Stevie J. Like, I'm talking top five small forwards ever. I'm not sure he gets the credit for that. Uh, David's on the line. Uh, our gurus online are looking for the best eight cult heroes in footy history. David, you got one for us? Yeah, um, he's just tough as uh, Max Rook. Yeah. He, what, what was his first name? He changed his name, didn't he? What was his... Uh... Yeah, Jared, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I reckon you're right. Max Rook, cult hero, tough, hard, physical, great team man, courageous, loved it. Sam Draper's a good one, cult hero potential. Uh, Max Gorn, see, I think Max Gorn's too good. Now, Max Gorn's a top 10 player in the game. I think with cult heroes, you can't be you can't be that good, if, if you understand what I'm trying to say there. Charlie Dixon, Bailey Smith. Um, can be a cult hero and a top player. Mm, don't know. The barometer um, 
from Brisbane. Why have I forgotten his name? You remind me in a second. Matt's on the road. Cult hero, Matt. There you go, Kane. I was going to say, as a Collingwood supporter, mate, I was going to say um, Alan Didac. Love, I love that one. I'm a, I'm, Didac maybe in my top 10 favourite players of all time and didn't, I mean, he could have been anything. I, I know he had an amazing career, Alan Didac, but I reckon if a few certain things had gone differently for him, he could have been, you know, in Collingwood's, you know, best ever. He probably ended up on, I don't know, 220-odd games, you know, premiership and all of that, great career, but for his talent, he was amazing. And one of the funniest men you've ever met. I like it, Matt. Alan Didac for Colt Hero. Oh, this this has just gone off. The the, the digital guy is going to have a lot of fun with this. Brody Mycheck, Stewie Jew at Hawthorne, Fevolution, um, Mason Cox, Tip and Woody, Cody Waitman, Bailey Smith absolutely can be a Colt Hero. Um uh, yeah, okay. We'll work our way through a few of those. Uh, Max Gorn is a cult hero. Corn says Harley and Caulfield. Jared Grant, microphone head, says Chris in Hawthorne. Tom Papley, Matt Spanger, uh, Dermot Brereton. All right, keep those coming through. We'll work our way through a whole heap of those, but the digital guys are going to love your suggestions. The top eight cult heroes in football or for Red Energy. It is time now for the 10.30 news headlines with Adam Pont. Uh, I think I'm on. I might have just dropped out there with Adam, but thank you for that. Let me know, Brooksy, if I'm not on air at the moment. It's 28 minutes to 11 o'clock. I am on. It was Reese Matheson, the barometer. I can't believe I forgot his name. Mitch Robinson, a lot of love for him coming through off the Temper Tech. Still to come through until 12 o'clock. We're going to speak to Miles Fitzner. He's extremely popular, Miles. Um, he's, you know, we just got to got to be careful he's not getting too big of a head um, with the work that he's doing on SEN track. He's got to bring him down a notch every now and then, but doing some amazing things. He's going to find us a winner at the races. He nailed it last Friday for us, so the punters wanted him back. He's going to join us. Your calls, the quiz. Don't forget to listen to This Is Your this is your Journey. We've had a name change there. From Sunday from 10 a.m., Sam Edmund talks to champion Australian cricketer now commentator Lisa Stalaker, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Heaps of texts coming through. We'll get to those um, throughout the morning, one 736 736 So on the other side of this, we are going to recap for whatever reason, and maybe it's just because there's more journos, there's more media covering the footy, there's more interest in it. It is off-season, but there's been a whole heap of footy stories. So we're going to recap the five biggest footy stories of the last week, and there's been no shortage of those, and I'm looking forward to getting your input into that. You can join in the conversation. There's lines available right now. We'll take your calls through until 12 o'clock. The number's one 736 736 to get involved. Back... On ECM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Uh, 21 minutes to 11 o'clock. Kane Corns in the chair for the captain's run. Sammy Edmund, I reckon, is up next, filling in for Dwayne Midday Madness at 12, taking your calls. And there are no shortage of things to talk about. The Aussies threw in a stunning performance in the T20 World Cup last night. Victory over Pakistan. Chased down 177 with six balls to spare and five wickets. Uh, in the sheds with Matthew Wade, the hero, 41 off 17, including 33 off eight balls. His last 33 and three sixes in a row. Did you stay up for it? Um, did you get involved? Has it captivated you at all, the tournament, or is it still 
a bit of fun, a bit of muck around stuff, and we get up for it on Monday morning. Let us know your thoughts on that. Liam Jones, was it right for Sam McClure on Sports Day to name the Carlton player? Always a divisive topic when things are a little bit sensitive. I've got no issue with Sam naming Liam whatsoever. I thought that was well within his rights and well within the public interest. So let's go through a few of the footy stories around the place. It started earlier on in the week, and this story was first floated by Kao Toomey of uh, AFL.com.au when he said uh, skin folds for potential draftees could be a thing of the past. Now, it now has been confirmed that draftees won't have their skin folds taken. Kinnear Beetson has been around footy longer than most as a guru recruiter um, at the Sydney Swans. He was interviewed on SEN during the week, and he gave us his thoughts on the skinfold ban. When you look at every athlete in the draft or every player, you've got to understand that everyone's an individual yep. and that they're all coming from different backgrounds, so therefore their education that they've had regarding their diet and athletic performance varies significantly. Some that have been right through what we would call the structured program of um, state combines and uh, state academies. Uh, they've had a lot of um, advice on diet, uh, nutrition, um, hydration, etc. But then there's a lot of players in the draft um, who haven't had a, any access to that. So by using the skinfold measurements, it just gave us an extra tool to which to get a idea of their physical um, status, if you like, in terms of um, where they sat at the time. So that's from the experts, that's their view on it. They can't, a lot of them can't believe that this has happened. Now, others like uh, Tom Rockliffe, and there's been others that support this decision from the AFL to ban. I can't for the life of me believe it, and I wonder where this is going to end. I was the second slowest player at the draft camp, and I thought that I thought that was it. I was as flat as I've ever been in my sporting career after I ran 3.27 for a 20-meter sprint at my draft camp. I thought that was it. So do we ban speed testing? Like, because that can deter a club from drafting someone when you may end up being like Sam Mitchell or you may be Jared Lyons or you may be whoever, Scott Pendlebury, not that quick, but um, Brownlow medalists and Norm Smith medalists and premiership captains. Because if it was just on that, they wouldn't have been drafted. Like, where does this ridiculousness end? No one is publicly releasing the skinfold results of potential draftees. A month later, they're going to be tested anyway. And it's absolutely, as Kinnear said, a sign of, of your discipline and your preparation. No one is not going to be drafted because they've got a high skinfold. But it is another indication of what you need to work on or the way that you live your life. Um, ridiculous story. Liam Jones is another big story, clearly the biggest story of the week. Um, vaccine hesitant, uh, don't know if he plans to get vaccinated. I'm assuming he doesn't because he's had since August to be available to get vaccinated and he hasn't yet. So I'm not sure what will change between now and the deadline that is looming over AFL players. Jack Revolt was on SEN Tasmania um, this morning and he spoke about the Liam Jones situation. Well, I think this was inevitable that someone, and we've and we've seen with yeah. Annie Vernon in the AFLW that she uh, has refused to get the or doesn't want to get, sorry, the the COVID vaccination, and Liam Jones finds himself in the in the same boat. It's a it's a very very strong stance to to stand up. It's sort of become 
the public norm. The Kyrie Irving or the Aaron Rodgers. Well, or... yeah, and, and I didn't know whether we would see it in yes. Australian sport. I say it's inevitable, but I still had a gut feel that it would just be, um, it'd just be just done by every player so they can continue to keep their jobs. But Liam Jones finds himself as the trailblazer and and doesn't uh, doesn't want to get the, the COVID vaccination, which, I mean, the ramifications flash, obviously, there's a spot on the list um, coming up to the to the to the draft he if he doesn't get vaccinated within the next two weeks i think it is then he can actually lose his job he can be delisted and, and that's something that carlton have to really think about because if he's so adamant that he's not going to get the vaccination then he's not going to be allowed to play just due to the fact that the well not only the afl laws are um and rules guidelines are that you, you've got to be double vaccinated to play it's the state government laws as well so he's not going to be able to travel he's not going to be able to train um and they've got to make the decision on whether they keep him on the list or if they go to the draft and select another player. So it's mm-hmm. certainly, a, certainly a big hill to Such die on. That was Jack speaking this morning. He also went on to speak about the issue of him being named or not. Now, as I've said multiple times this morning, despite the criticism directed at Sam McClure, he did the right thing by uh, publicly naming Liam Jones as that player. Jack was asked about that. Oh gosh, I don't know. Look, I think it's well. Mm. To be honest, I, I I think clubs get on the front foot with this sort of stuff and just mm. and just rip the bandaid off because ultimately, when all the players go back to training, whether it's the first or four year players back on uh, November twenty second, or in Liam James's case, he would be going back to to training until December sixth. That the, this is going to be what the media are looking for. They're going to be hot on it. Uh, who's they not are. at training? Yep. Who's not at training? Who hasn't mm. been double vaccinated? And the rumour mills will will start swirling. I'm not, I'm, I might not be going to back till January 10, so no doubt someone will, someone will write an article about me, maybe being not being double vaccinated. But certainly, it, it it's it tears me a little bit because I still think you should be able to have your own choice on whether you do it. And, and sorry, he does have his own choice. But he does. We're in a world now where we're Look, the, where the mandates are in, and um, it's clearly public public health is 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 put right it's at the forefront. Bit on the fence there um, with Jack, but didn't seem to have a bit uh, much of an issue with him being named. And I agree with his sentiments that the clubs should get on the front foot with this, just as Hawthorne did with Finn McGuinness. Now Hawks footy boss Rob McCartney did the media rounds. He's on SEN. He praised uh, his player Finn McGuinness, and they've taken all of the oxygen out of the story because they just released the name with a press release. Here's Rob. Finn woke feeling a little unwell. So what he did, he's actually, he isolated himself from the rest of his family at that time, rang our club doctor in Liam West and then arranged to get a COVID test immediately. So he's done absolutely everything that he should have done. He's feeling not 100%, but just sort of like a mild cold-like symptoms. He's isolating. He knows he's got a few days to to ponder and, and, and think about um, the season that's coming up, but he's, he's in pretty good spirits. There it was. There's an excellent article in the Herald Sun today. I'll get the name of the author. It's actually a doctor who's written it in the pages of Sport this morning, just about the issues for the AFL. So we've had the, the massive issues with COVID clearly over the last two seasons. They've done a, an amazing job to get the seasons underway, but the challenges aren't going to stop. And we've seen it this week. We've seen it in the NBL. We've seen it in the NBA with the 76ers going down and some of their best players not being able to play. So what what is going to happen with the AFL and what's their policy around players that test positive and close contacts 
for the season. Uh, is there Are they just going to plough through and it's the, the luck of the draw if you lose seven good players on the captain's run on a Friday that are close contacts of a positive case? Or are they going to actually reschedule games? Now, in American sport, they've just ploughed on. There was a, a coach the other day that tested positive, I think, for the Cardinals. He, he didn't coach. Uh, he was away, but the games keep going. I would think that's the way they are going to go. But what happens for players that are playing in the VFL with mixing with other other so there's so many questions that the AFL are yet to answer and they may not have the answers and they may not need to have the answers until the pre-season competition starts but yeah what what is going to go on with the policy around COVID this year because the challenges aren't going to go away Alex Rance began his time at Essendon as a development coach he looked fit Nick Cox spoke about the impact that Rance may have at the Bombers yeah, he's, he's awesome. It was great to meet him today. Um, obviously, an incredible player during his career. Um, it's great to have him out on the track. He's a great voice. Obviously, so experienced. He's got a lot of knowledge to pass down to us young fellas. He's going to be working with us closely, so that's an awesome thing for us. People look at him today and think he could almost play. What do you think? Do you think he could almost strap up and play one? <laughs> he's probably capable. He's that good. But, nah, he's, he's working as a part-time coach for us. He looks fit. I, I shared a story on SEN SA Breakfast the other day. So we had Tyson Edwards, who was reasonably fresh out of retiring from Adelaide. And often when you're doing scratch matches at training through preseason, it might be 15 on 16 and you're scrambling for numbers because those are injured and you're struggling for numbers and the assistant coaches would fill in. And Tyson Edwards often filled in for us. And I said, if you didn't know anything about football and you just came to watch our training session, this is sort of... 2013 sort of ish era and you watched our match simulation you would think Tyson Edwards was still in our best five players if you knew nothing about football he was a coach at the time I reckon Rance would be the same like if he stripped down for the Bombers and actually played would he still be in their top 10 best players you you probably think he would be with how fit he looks and yeah I guess until those absolute final list deadlines are met and he's not on one, those questions will remain a little bit. The other one is Nat Fife. Um, a lot of concern over Nat Fife. He was on Channel 7 in Perth to share his struggles with his body. Might hear from Nat Fife. Yeah, we went and got a scan and it had just blown to pieces. And it revealed that the surgery had failed, the bone block had come off through the latter procedure and was floating around in my shoulder, so I had to go back and have another operation. We took a bone graft off my hip and put onto the shoulder, so now I've had a hip graft as well that's healing. They found, after five or six days, a small sign of an infection, so precautiously we've put pick line antibiotics in for a couple of weeks and I'll stay on antibiotics for a few months just to try and make sure that there's no infection. I can't sweat, I can't train, I've got my uh, other shoulder recovering as well so I'm a little bit stuck at the moment, it's pretty grim, I haven't run for four months so I've got a fair bit of work to do to make sure I'm ready to go for next year. I haven't heard a player speak about uh, as honestly as, as what Nat Five did through his struggles, usually they put a positive spin and, and talk it up. Shoulder blown to pieces, antibiotics through a drip, can't sweat, can't run, hasn't trained for um, four months. And it's pretty grim, the words from the dual Brownlow medalist, Nat Fife. So fingers crossed he gets himself together. He's only 30, so I would hope he's got a good five years left in him, but that doesn't paint a good picture at all. We'll take your calls on the other side of this, including Sam, who's given us a buzz on Liam Jones. We'll get your thoughts on that, Sam. After this, and also a whole heap of your text messages coming through, lines available after 11 o'clock, early edition of the quiz today. We've just brought it forward because it's gone off 
the last two weeks. It's back bigger than ever. So stick around for the quiz as well. Five questions. Last person standing will find you a great prize to give away on the captain's run this morning. It's eight minutes to 11. Cool. Sam's been patient. You want to speak about Liam Jones. Welcome, Sam. Uh, g'day, Conti. Uh, yeah, love uh, Liam Jones. I'm a long time, um, a lifelong uh, Carlton supporter and uh, love the way Liam goes about it. And really, um, um, down in the dumps and uh, disappointed uh, to hear when uh, his name was linked to uh, this uh, not uh, mm. uh, accepting to get uh, vaccinated and that Sam McClure released it. And when I heard it, I was hoping that it was one of those just uh, pranks of going around uh, the internet uh, lines and this and that. But Sam decided to go with it, being a good Carlton man himself. And I can see the upside that uh, he, he probably also wanted to give uh, the player to really think about the ramifications of really going ahead and uh, choosing not to uh, continue his career as a, an AFL footballer. And then the, the subsequent um, reactions and denials and uh, exclusions of where you can't go once you proceed to go with it. But where mm. uh, the media comes into it, in my concerns, why is it whenever Carlton is involved with anything, the the media, I mean, as I said, Sam has a different agenda. I wanted maybe to give the club every chance if we're going to go down this trick and we have, have to absolutely lose Liam Jones, who's going to be a part of a, a major say of our uh, start of our, our, our uh, upward and uh, season uh, this year with Vossi and whatever, um, he wanted to give currently every chance of uh, getting the AFL, uh, having a, 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 a position of, uh, okay, if this is going to happen, uh, all teams with any player, uh, this is the procedure. So there's got to be a contingency plan uh, quickly laid down if they haven't already laid it down. Mm. And, and Good. not... But- yep. Good. Good on you, Sam. We've got, just got uh, Chris wanting to have you say as well. I appreciate your point, mate. G'day, Chris. Your thoughts on it? Morning, Corn. Uh, listen, mate, I'll, I'll be quick. Um, if he came out and, and said that, uh, you know, um, there was a player that's uh, homosexual and named him, uh, everyone would be up in arms. I think it's a breach of the, uh, the Privacy Act. I'm not anti-vax. I'm pro-choice. And uh, perhaps uh, Liam Jones has um, uh, seen the alarming amount of heart attacks and cardiac episodes uh, to professional athletes that's going on around uh, the world. Yeah, okay, mate. We're not going to spread misinformation on on the program. It's it's always a um, dangerous area to go in because a lot of people have uh, read some things on social media. I'll just trust the experts on this one, those that have spent their life dedicated to this and just go and get vaccinated. Big hour coming up, the quiz after 11 o'clock. Yeah, I just as a slower ball, I just kind of got a bit toey and turned it, and I thought I was going to gap it, but the field got there early and um, kind of just went straight through his hands. So I feel a little bit sorry for him a little bit. I think, you know, it gets focused, and I'm just impressed then, and I reckon I got asked 15 times about it as well. So it's going to be the focus point for, for them. Um, but I think at that stage, we only needed maybe 14 off, off eight or nine balls. So I think... By that stage, we've swung the momentum back a little bit, and that's the conversations that I was having with Marcus Stoinis. That there, are, you know, I was like, I was just, I'm, I'm just going to go every ball here. You've got Paddy Cummins coming next, and if you're here in the last over, then we'll win the game. So, I feel like the momentum had turned by that stage. Um, luckily, I can't really remember them. I know it sounds silly. I lapped, <laughs> I think I lapped, and then I hit one over mid wicket, and then I lapped again. But I didn't know they were in a row. Like I came off the ground, and they're, uh, you know. 
it's kind of, you know, it hasn't sunk in yet. We're still at the ground now. I'll go back to the hotel and by tomorrow morning it might might sink in a little bit. But, yeah, it happened very quickly, that's for sure. I, was, I think I was 10 off 10 and then, you know, it's go time now. Well, we're not going to win this game and I managed to get a couple um, late in the over before and then, yeah, managed to follow it up. So, yeah, as I said, you know, a lot of credit has to go to Storny as well to get us to that stage. And, you know, I came out there and we were five for 90 and he hit the next ball for six after we just lost the wicket. So off the spinner, um, you know, it takes, uh, it takes some um, bravery to do things like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, a little bit, I think. I think about around that stage, 62 or 30 is when Marcus Storny said to me that, you know, he will get these. And I was thinking, well... Maybe you're going to have to get a lot of them yourself because I'm not sure we can here. But, um, so, like, stages, when it gets to tour ball, you start to think, now, now it's time to go. We've got to go now or, you know, it's going to, it's going to slip away here. But, um, you know, as you said, T20 games at the moment just turn on their head so quickly. It goes from that to, to winning with an over to spare. So, um, lucky I get to, you know, share the crease with Storny. He's, he's a big boy and um, he took a lot of pressure off me through that middle, you know, the last four or five overs he... No, his innings was terrific. Just lost it again. That was Matthew Wade speaking there. Sorry for the technical issues we had just moments ago. It happens from time to time. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to play the quiz. We'll do that right now. Um, the theme of the quiz this morning. What is the theme of the quiz? I should have checked this out. The AFL draft theme for the quiz this morning. Five questions, last person standing. What's our prize? Double pass to the Australian Superbike Championships at the Ben Motorsport Park from the 3rd to the 5th of December. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Reasonably solid quiz this morning. It's gone off of recent times in the last couple of weeks. So looking forward to welcoming a little bit earlier in the show. It's been bumped up. Michael is going to get us underway for the AFL draft theme of the quiz, but get involved because... I'm not confident Michael's going to go all the way through, but let's see if he can prove me wrong. Michael, thanks for your time. Is that me, Kane? That is you, Michael. I hope your name's Michael. Right, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yes, it is. I just I only got through about five seconds ago. Yeah, so straight through. Straight through for you, my man. Um, question number one. Four number one draft picks have won premierships. Name two of them. So players. Uh, oh, I'm just trying to think if Judd was a number one draft pick or not. Um, is, that, is that your answer, Michael? Come on. Uh, yes, I'll go with Judd as one of them. Not Chris Judd, but thank you for getting us underway with Chad's Brothers Quiz this morning. Ryan is on the road. G'day, Ryan. G'day, mate. How are you? Four number one draft picks have won premierships. you just got to name two of them. Two of them. Uh, one, Luke Hodge. Yep. Uh, the other, not sure about, mate. Nah, you've got me on that one. I've got you on that one. Well, you're so confident with Luke Hodge. So there's one. Let's head to Maddie in Mornington. G'day, Maddie. Hey, Kano. How are you? So four number one draft picks of one premierships. One of them is Luke Hodge. Just need one more. Um, let's go with... Um, yeah, I don't know. You got me. Oh, have a think about it. it doesn't it's it, when you see the answers like that's not difficult, but when you're actually put in the moment, I can understand this is a, a difficult question. Uh, Anthony, I think we've got there. G'day, Anthony. Yeah, 
G'day, Corn. <laughs> Four number one draft picks have won premierships. Name one other than Luke Hodge. Uh, I don't know why, but for some reason, Des Headland comes in my head. Yes, that's excellent. That would have been... I would have accepted Drew Banfield and Tom Boyd, of course. Who could forget Tom Boyd's heroics in 2016? We are up and running. Essendon was banned from the first round of the draft in 2013, which meant their first selection was pick 26. It turned out to be a very, very good selection. Who did they take? What draft? Sorry, I missed the year. 2013. 2013. Yep. He's won. Best and fairest. Gets a stack of the footy. No good. All right. Um, let's go to. I've sort of lost where I'm up to. If you can help me out, Johnny, let's go to Mick. G'day, Mick. G'day, Kane. How you going? Now, in Essendon, oh. Essendon were banned from the first round of the draft in 2013. Who did they take with their second pick at 26? I've got no idea, but I'll go Dyson Heppel. Not, not a bad guess. I reckon he's a bit younger than Dyson Heppel, the player that they picked. Very, very good player. Nick's in Sydney. Hi, Nick. G'day, Corn. How are you going? I'm good. Do you need the question again or you got the answer? Um, well, I don't really know, but I would have. I was thinking about Heppel, but if it's not Heppel, I'd say Merritt. Mm, you would be correct in saying, Zach Merritt, what a pick. How good, how good was that? Didn't realise he was that late in the draft. Question number three. Five players in 2001 in that draft won a Brownlow medal. That's solid. Name three of them. Gary Ablett, Dane Swan, and it was the 2001 draft, you said, wasn't it? Yep. Um, three, two, got a gong Cooney. off there, Johnny. It wasn't Adam Cooney. No, he was a bit later than 2001. Uh, Michael is in Essendon. Hi, Michael. G'day. Five uh, players uh, in... Jim. Yep. Yep. I was just going to say Jimmy Bartell would be a third one. Jimmy Bartell would be a third one. Chris Judd, Jimmy Bartell, Sam Mitchell, Gary Ablett Jr., Dane Swan from the 2001 draft class. That's as good as it gets. Uh, Question number four for you, Michael. The Bulldogs currently have five father-son selected players on their list. Name four of them. Liberatore. Yep. Wallace. Yep. Hunter. Yep. One more. Oh, my God. Liberatore, Wallace, Hunter. And? Uh, um, oh, my God. Three, two, one. We've got to let you go there, but that was pretty good heavy lifting from you there, Michael. Let's go to Pete in Gladstone Park. G'day, Pete. G'day, Kane. Uh, how about Cordy? How about Zane Cordy and also Riley West, of course, son of the, what is he, a seven-time or an eight-time um, Scott West, best and fairest? I think it's seven. Uh, for the win, here we go. Um, Pete from Gladstone Park, question number five. From last year's top ten, which player played the most games this season? From last year's top ten, so the 2020 draft class, who played the most games? Cool. Archie Bird. 
No, but it was an excellent guess. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Brad's in Burwood. G'day, Brad. Got you there, Brad? Yes. Brad, you are on for the win. From last year's top 10 in the draft, who played the most games? Oh, tough one. McRae? No, it wasn't. John's on the line. G'day, Johnny. Hey, Kane. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Last year's top 10 was a good one, but who played the most games out of the top 10? Um, would it have been Nick Cox? Uh, absolutely, it would have been Nick Cox. So we had Hugo Hagen played five, Phil Thorpe 14, Will Phillips 16, Logan McDonald at Sydney 7, Braden Campbell played eight, Granger Barras five, Elijah Hollins didn't play, Nick Cox 22, Archie Perkins 21, and Zach Reid. Uh, well done to you, Johnny. I'll put you back to Brooksy, who will sort you out with the prizes. Um, good ones this morning as well. So that was Chad's Brothers Quiz, a good edition of the quiz. Tough draft theme. Draft coming up 23rd and 24th of November. Looking forward to that and seeing who can find the next Zach Merritt at pick 26. Don't miss the final rounds of the Australian Superbike Racing December 3 to 5 at the Bend. Um, and right now it is time for our cross with our man from Bet Deluxe, Paul Sebastiani. After 11 o'clock, a man who dominates on the SEN track. They don't call him Fitz Magic for no reason. He's been good enough to stop by the studio. Miles Fitzner, Fitzy, thanks for coming in. Kane, not a problem. Good to be back in with you. Is there a lull now that all the big stuff's over? They call it uh, Spring Carnival Blues and where people can come out of the spring (laughs) and they're either still in spring punting mode and so they continue to... Yep. The assault on the bookies, right. or they come out of spring where they've lost some money and they think that that's the time then to then go and make it. Right. This weekend's not one of them. Isn't Kane. it? No, it's not. That's and against your better judgment? It, it is. And look, we're all about people having fun, but at SEN Track, we're also in the business of people making, making money. Making money, yeah. And when you get wet tracks, is is that's almost a, a massive knock. And we've, we've seen rain right across the eastern seaboard. Uh, combined with tracks that we don't normally run or like at, being um, Cranbourne for the Cranbourne Cup, Morfordville Parks here in Adelaide, and then we miss a, a Metro meeting in Sydney and mm. go out for the Million Dollar Hunter. Combined with the wet tracks, we're going to Newcastle. That's just where you go, hang on a minute, put the book away. Mm. Put the phone down, take it easy, call one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight if it does become an issue. There you have it. Stay away. <laughs> Stay away is a bit... So we've... With footy, right? Bring everything back to footy. But the wet weather. Some would some would say the best rise to the top because it's wet, or others would say that it brings everyone down. What does it do for the horses? It, using the footy analogy is okay because it can make it an even playing field. But with the horses, yeah, it can it can even up the good ones that like a good or a firm surface. But there are horses that are genuine ducks. A bit like football. Okay. So think of it more rather than from team, go to individual. There would have been players that you played with. No that, good in the wet. That, that were no good in the wet. I was one of them. Yeah. Horrible. But the minute it got, but the minute it started to rain, there'd be a bloke that would walk into the change rooms. He'd lick his lips. Jimmy Bartell. He'd pull the long stops out. The long sleeve goes on and he says, mate, it's my time to shine. And there are horses. They call them ducks. 
and they love it. Okay. And, and but the hard part is 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 especially this time of year, you've got horses coming out of spring where they they are they're a game past their grand final to use the football analogy. Mm-hmm. So they've peaked for runs during the spring, and so then you've got them dropping back to different races, and then you've got other horses that are still on the way up that might have targeted these. But then the minute you mix wet tracks and then you mix tracks that you're not used to, very dangerous weekend. I've found a few that we could probably talk about, but, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's this a danger, danger, danger written all over it. Million Dollar Hunter? Million Dollar Hunter, good race. We've got a Newcastle, another invitation race of Peter Volandis, another one to <laughs> another one of those over-the-top prize money races yes. in the north. Lost and running, we saw run in, uh, in the Everest and a few of those other races, $3 favourite currently, uh, there's two horses in here, though, that I'm going to be um, backing. One of them's top-ranked, Annabelle Neesham, James McDonald. We've seen that. Good um, combo. Good combo, partnership line-up. Uh, it'll be first up here, um, and it's an import. There's a bit of, bit of spruik around this top rank, so I'd be on it, and I'd get on now pretty heavily uh, each way. And another horse down the bottom called What's Prime. What's it paying now? About five bucks oh, good. at the moment. And then another one down the bottom called Prime Candidate of Bjorn Bakers. Now, this is where you look at horses that love... Um, certain scenarios can settle on speed and lead. It's uh, it likes it, the sting out of the ground uh, completely, and its form lines are all behind nice horses. That's around fourteen dollars and, and four twenty. So mm. I'm gonna have a little play there in the Hunter, little tiny one. If you go to Cranbourne, the Cranbourne Cup is a big race, but this is a like this is as tough as old boots. I'll this is going. a stay away. There's a st- genuine stay away. I'm I'm field in my leg. No, oh, I cannot split them. <laughs> and and it's important to know when they are like that. You've just got to, if you want to make money punting, you stay away. That's good. I'm I'm. You've shocked me coming in this way. I thought you were going to come in all guns blazing, but no. I like I like the responsibility you've shown and the restraint that you've shown this morning. Well, you know me personally, so you're probably not used to seeing the, much responsibility. No, or exactly restraint. right. The zipping classic. Yeah, that's been moved. Normally okay. this weekend, I'm pretty sure it was this weekend, the Dunkeld Cup weekend. They've shifted it later to to extend the spring um, for Melbourne and, and keep it sort of an interest a little bit longer. It now goes to Caulfield. used to be at Sandown. It's called the Zipping Classic because Zipping won it three times, mm-hmm. um, which was a Lloyd Williams horse. So that's probably the last of the big days uh, still to come. And that, that's where we've, we've got other group racing um, around it, but that'll be that'll be pretty well the the culmination of the spring carnival there, the zipping classic. Tags' birthday the other day, you uh, uh, went and did a nice tribute to him on social media. Give us your favourite tag story. For I don't want to put you on, oh. on notice and a question without notice, but is there is there a moment? Is there an on air moment, an off air moment that is one of your favourites? I'm sure you got plenty. Well, when I started, Tags was I was sitting in this seat I'm in now, and Tags was on the on the camera down the line, and, and he was very sceptical. You said he wasn't a fan. Oh, no. No, no, no. And, and I think he sort of went, well, I've got a young bloke sitting here. <laughs> and it was even off-air and on-air, it was cold. Yeah. And I, I had to prove myself that that you were in and amongst it. But my favourite tag story would be, yeah, well, I went, flew myself to Melbourne, and we were going to have a beer. I only told this on-air. And we went to have a beer at the Osborne in Melbourne, and it was closed. We couldn't get in. And... um well, this is only 6.30 after work, mm. and we thought, oh, we'll go to the college lawn, Liam Pickering's. Yes, favourite. And I went, geez, what if that's closed and we can't get in? Tags goes, don't worry, I'll ring Pickers. <laughs> so he rings Pickers, and Pickers has had a couple somewhere out at a stall or somewhere where he was. So he said, Tags, what are you doing? Tags goes, I want to get in. Do I drop your name or do I drop your name or what? <laughs> do, hey, how do I get in? 
Pickers goes, I don't know what you're thinking, he texts. Go to the lawn and just walk in. There won't be a line. Tags like, you've got to get us on the door, Pickers. You've got to get us on the door. So they bought a line, have an argument. We roll up to the college lawn. There's no line. We straight just walk in. straight in, just sit right at a table. And, but he'll look after you on and off on and off air, David Taggart. He's mm. an absolute ripper. Very good. All right, anything else we need to watch out for on the weekend before we let you go? Yeah, a couple of quick ones. Uh, at Cranny, if you do want to have a bet, uh, race five, number six, April Rain looks a good one. And race six, number two, Dexalation. And here at Morfittville, an early little double. And a couple of best there for the listeners. Race one, number one, No Name Lane. And race two, number 11, totally discreet. You can also multi those two up for $4.30, but they're my two best at Morfordville and at Cranny. Beautiful. When do we hear about you back on the air? Today or? Uh, Betfair shows all day today. You can catch them on the SEN app, go through the full cards, and then uh, I'll be back on for Sundays with tags for Trackside. Beautiful. Thanks, Fitzy. Look forward to that and appreciate you stopping by. He's just saying just bet with a bit of restraint if you're going to bet at all. Um, this weekend. Don't get sucked in with the conditions and the state of play. Miles Fitzner live in the studio, one 736 736 We're going right through until 12 o'clock today. You can have your say on any sporting topic. I'm just thinking about those horses that love the wet, and I'm reluctant to bring it back to the footy stuff, but we just, just I hated I hated the wet. Like I, with, I would never have admitted this when I was playing, but used to check the weather forecast. If it was raining, there was a bit of a sense of dread that um, came over me, maybe because I was that outside receiver who liked to get a few handball receives. Not not known for my work at the coalface in the clinches, but those players that loved it. Bartel's the best I've ever seen. Like, you just down in Geelong, pull out the long sleeve, pull out the long stops, and just unstoppable. James Herb was an exceptional wet-weather footballer, but who of the current-day players, a lot, of, a lot of those Richmond players, very good in the wet, um, you know, Shane Edwards is a good good wet weather player and a lot of those Richmond performances in wet conditions, they were exceptional. 0433981116, those players that wake up, it's raining, it's cold, it's wet, middle of winter, and they just love it. Past or present, temper text is 0433981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. We will take your calls on the other side of this. There's an opportunity to do that. Next line's available right now. If you call, you'll get through right now. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's catch the news with Adam Pont. Sam Edmund up after twelve o'clock, taking you right throughout the day on your home of sport. Been a big show. Spoke to Bryce McGain. Miles um, uh, Fitzsimmons just left the studio with his best for the weekend. Spoke about all the big footy stories. There seems to be a lot of those this week, and got your thoughts on that. We had the quiz as well. If you've missed any of it, you can catch up wherever you get your podcast. Just uh, look up SEN Captain's Run. Taking your calls right now, let's go to Geelong and speak to Dennis. We're speaking about those wet weather gurus. Dennis, have you got one for us? Well, Kane, um, he, he could play in any conditions, as you, as you know. Um, but Gary Ablett Sr., I was here at the MCG, and it was an absolute, uh, in those days back then, it was, it was an absolute mud heap. Yep. Um, and uh, I'll never forget when Sandy Roberts, when he burst through the packs and uh, got to the half-forward line and kicked a goal, uh, Sandy Roberts said, what more can you say? And <laughs> I must admit, he was he was a champion in, in wet, dry, the, the mud, mm. you name it. Best you've seen, Dennis? Best I've seen ever, yep. Mm. Fair raps there from Dennis down in... Geelong, a uh, lot of love for Peter Dacos, a uh, lot of love for uh, Wayne Carey. Yeah, there is the view that wet weather brings down a level. 
I'm not sure that's correct. It probably raises the skill of the player, doesn't it? And that's coming through with your text. I mean, some of these these great star players like Gary Ablett Senior rose to the occasion and the conditions. Uh, Stefan is on the line. You want to speak about some current day players that are good in the wet, Stefan? Yeah, g'day, Kane. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure. Um, yeah, so whenever it's raining, I'm a hardcore Essendon fan, and I know that um, Darcy Parrish is going to turn up. He's an inside bull. He loves getting um, like down and wet, and um, mm. yeah, no, nah, he's awesome. Um, I think interesting on the follow-up, Jake Stringer. So I'm thinking big, powerful mid forwards. Um, Gary Ablett obviously was one as well. So yeah, Jake Stringer for me. Couple of current day players. It's not we don't get the conditions, do we? That we we used to like it. it clearly rains, but the drainage on grounds are so great that if it's raining the first quarter uh, and it goes away, it's usually dry by the second quarter. So players are lucky these days, and of course, Eddie had it's not raining at all. So um, you don't get the exposure, I don't think. But um, there's still been some big games that Richmond have played recently in the wet. Um, and they play exceptionally well. So Darcy Parrish and Jake Stringer, good on you, Stefan. Thanks for your thoughts, mate. Billy's in Ascot Vale, a wet weather star, Bill. Yeah, just I've got two from St Kilda. One, I'm not sure if you remember, but um, Robert Harvey won, and the other one was Paul Callery, Little Rover. Sorry, who was the second? Paul Callery. He was a little, little, little Rover, sort of, let me, I'll look him up and look up his numbers for you in a second. But uh, Robert Harvey, exceptional in the wet. Yeah, get your sort of three-quarter long sleeve out and, and off he goes and just grind his opponent. Whatever the conditions, uh, what, of, what a player there. Paul Callery played just the 76 games for Melbourne and 105 for the Saints. Matty Wade was the hero in the five-wicket win for the Aussies against Pakistan overnight. He joined Gary and he joined Gary and Tim earlier this morning, fresh after that epic performance. If you did the hard yards last night and stayed up and watched one of the more incredible T20 games of all time, then you would be over the moon with the news that Australia have advanced through to the final and the hero, amongst many of 11 heroes, to be perfectly honest. The Aussies were unbelievable against Pakistan, but the man who stood up was Matthew Wade, 41 off 17, two fours, four sixes, three sixes in a row. He's been good enough to join us this morning. Matty, well done. Unbelievable performance. Thanks very much, mate. I appreciate it. These T20 games are just incredible. We learn more and more as every game goes through. But there were stages throughout this match. Five for 96, 62 off 30 balls, then 20 off 10. Did you ever start to doubt? Oh, yeah, a little bit, I think. I think about around that stage, 62 off 30 is when Marcus Stoyner said to me that, you know, he will get these. And I was thinking, well, maybe you're going to have to get a lot of them yourself because I'm not sure we can here. But um, so like stages, when it gets to tour ball, you start to think now, now it's time to go. We've got to go now or, you know, it's going to, it's going to slip away here. But, um, you know, as you said, T20 games at the moment just turn on their head so quickly. It goes from that to, to winning with an over to spare. So, um Lucky I get to you know share the crease with Stoney. He's, he's a big boy and um, he took a lot of pressure off me through that middle you know the last four or five overs. He you know his innings was terrific. A lot of our audience would have been in bed while this was unfolding, so they're getting the first hand experience through you, which is just sensational. Um, Twenty off ten, you got dropped prior to you going on this three six rampage. Uh, can you talk us through that? Yeah, I just as a slower ball, I just kind of 
got a bit toey and turned it, and I thought I was going to gap it, but the fielder got there early and um, kind of just went through straight through his hands. So I feel a little bit sorry for him a little bit. I think, yeah, you know, it gets focused. I'm just impressed then, and I reckon I got asked 15 times about it as well. So it's going to be the focus point for, for them. Um, but I think at that stage we only needed maybe 14 off off eight or nine balls, so I think by that stage we swung the momentum back a little bit, and that's the conversations that I was having with Marcus Stoinis. That there, are, you know, I was like, I was just, I'm, I'm just going to go every ball here. You've got Paddy Cummins coming next, and if you're here in the last over, then we'll win the game. So I feel like the momentum had turned by that stage. Um, luckily, mm. talk us through those last three sixes that you hit. I can't really remember them. I know it sounds silly. <laughs> I, lapped, I think I lapped. And then I hit one over mid-wicket and then I lapped again. But I didn't know they were in a row. Like, I came off the ground and they're, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it hasn't sunk in yet. We're still at the ground now. I'll go back to the hotel and by tomorrow morning it might might sink in a little bit. But, yeah, it happened very quickly, that's for sure. I was, I think I was 10 off 10 and then, you know, it's go time now. Well, we're not going to win this game and I managed to get a couple um, late in the over before and then, yeah, managed to follow it up. So... Yeah, as I said, you know, a lot of credit has to go to Storney as well to get us to that stage. And, you know, I came out there and we were five for 90 and he hit the next ball for six after we'd just lost the wicket. So off the spinner, um, you know, it takes, uh, it takes some um, bravery to do things like that. It does. Dave Warden got you off to a really good start too. Yeah, Dave was terrific. Started really well. You know, he's, he's built slowly throughout this tournament. I know there was a few coming for him early, but um, his last two innings have been terrific. Um, not too many people have seen the game, but he actually... He actually um, walked off the ground after not nicking one caught behind off the spinner, um, didn't refer it, and uh, walked off. So that was a that was a <laughs> bit of a moment in the game. Thankfully, we managed to win. But yeah, he was you know he was forty nine off not many balls at that stage as well. So um, I'm not sure what happened there. I think he said it. The handle clicked in his bat a little bit, and then Maxie didn't give him much more from the other end. He thought he hit it as well, and he walked off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible moments everywhere, and again. We won the toss. Uh, we opted to bowl first. Four for 176 Pakistan. Was that a, li- a little more than you would have liked to have seen? Yeah, it was. In the, the last few overs, they got going. Um, they got stuck here for a few sixes in the end there, which doesn't happen very often. So we were probably thinking of more, you know, mid-150s at, you know, with three overs to go. But they got away at the end. So a little bit of dew came in, which was nice. But, um, yeah, it was... It was a strange atmosphere tonight, to be honest. Um, there was a lot of people here and a lot of Pakistan fans, and I think they were going at nearly eight and over, which isn't high run rate for T20, but it felt like they were going at 15, 16 and over, and the game was getting away from us, and stuff was happening everywhere. There was cheers for singles, so it was a, it was a, re- it was a really different <laughs> atmosphere for us tonight. Um, we had to try and silence the crowd, and for 99% of that game, Pakistan crowd were up and about. So, yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting atmosphere. And now New Zealand, who have been in you know, ripping form and are taking all before them. They're the test champions. They could have very well been the one-day champions as well. And now they're in a T20 World Cup. So it's going to be a cracking final. Yeah, it is. They're a terrific cricket team. I mean, they're so underrated. I think, you know, they don't get the credit that they probably deserve. They drew the 50-over World Cup, I think, in the end. And then they won the test championship and they're in a final as well against us. So, um, yeah, they're going to be hard work. We know that. They don't, they don't go away at all in yeah. So they got they got some stars all you know with the batting and with the ball. So we'll have to be at our best, but uh, you know at the moment at our best, I think we're probably gone under the radar a little bit in this tournament as well. We didn't have our main team together for a long period of time, and I think people probably wrote us off a little bit. But um, you know we're as confident you know, any team to be honest. Um, we have been since the start of this tournament, and just happy that um, we've got to a position where we felt that we could have got to. How long will it, it is- take you to come down off this high? I'm not sure, actually. I'll go back to my hotel and have a beer with the boys, and it, uh, it'll, you know, I won't sleep till 
three or four our time most likely and then we've got a day off and you know, a bit of prep um, day before the game but at this stage of the tournament. Thanks so much for your company this morning, everyone that got involved and had their say. The show doesn't happen without you, so I look forward to doing it all again with you from 9 o'clock next Friday. Up next, it is Sam Edmund filling in for Dwayne Russell. Midday Madness. Give him a call. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.